You know, I think this is a space that just needs all of the innovation and all of the disruption that we can get, right? So if we want to avoid the worst impacts of climate change and keep global warming to below two degrees Celsius, then basically we have to halve our carbon consumption in the next decade. Welcome to the Loss and Transformation podcast series dedicated to the complex world of digital transformation. We feature guests from large corporations, startups, consultancies, and more to shed light on the success factors around innovation, transformation, and adjacent topics. We share firsthand insights and inspiration from experts for all the entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, and anyone curious about digital transformation. Marie Chiang leads the Venture Build program at Enchi Factory in Asia Pacific. She's working with founders to build new ventures in energy efficiency, smart cities, green mobility, and renewable energy. In this episode, she guides us through corporate innovation in the field of zero carbon transition and shows how Enchi Factory helps ventures achieve their carbon goals in addition to high commercial growth. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hey, Marie, really happy to have you on our show for today on Lost and Transformation. And thanks so much for joining. And so you are leading the Venture Build program at NG Factory in Asia Pacific, where you're also focusing on building new ventures in energy efficiency, green mobility, and so forth. And I'm really excited to hear more about the whole story of corporate innovation in the field of zero carbon transition today. And to begin with, I'd like to learn more about you, um, basically about yourself and your work at NG and NG Factory, um, basically to understand more about the work you're doing in general. Could you share a bit about that? Sure. So first of all, thank you so much, Christine, for inviting me to be a part of this podcast. Really excited to uh, share what we do at NG Factory. So as you mentioned, I lead the Venture Build program for NG Factory. So NG Factory is NG's venture arm in APAC. For those of you who don't know NG, NG is one of the world's largest independent power generators. And about five or six years ago, we made a strategic decision to be a leader in the transition to a carbon neutral world. And that involved uh, a whole host of activity, including divesting NG's coal assets. So a real commitment to the space. At NG Factory, what we do is we partner with founders to build and invest in brand new ventures that accelerate the zero carbon transition. Okay, nice. Yeah, really interesting to hear about your work and to learn more about what NG does. So how did you then end up at NG? Essentially, what is your journey that brings you to where you are today and what you're focusing on with NG Factory? Probably around, also around five or six years ago, you know, I started to think about what are the things that I really enjoy doing. And uh, I realized that I found a lot of purpose in being a builder. So I love the challenge of building new value propositions, new solutions, new business lines. So I did that for a little while at a construction company and then helped to build a digital and innovation practice at a consultancy firm and then joined a startup before NG Factory. So just I think just like so many people in the last few years, I started to feel a real growing urgency around climate change and you know really started to think that the addressing climate change and decarbonizing our economy is sort of the challenge of of my generation of our generation 
And given my love for building and my love for ventures, I started to think about how we can apply that exponential growth trajectory that we see in ventures to decarbonization, right? So with a venture lens, we think about how does a, a new business or a startup make its first dollar of revenue? How does it make its first million, 10 million, 100 million? And then I started to think, okay, is there a way to combine that thought process with decarbonization? So in addition to the venture lens, we also add a carbon lens where we think about how do we save or abate our first kilogram of carbon, our first ton of carbon, our first megaton of carbon, and then hopefully, you know, a gigaton of carbon. So I think that there's an incredible space to combine ventures and decarbonization. And in fact, at Davos earlier in the year, you know, the, the CEO of Stan Chart said that decarbonization is a, a $50 trillion opportunity. So just as we saw the last great sort of economic transformation around the internet age, and how the companies that were founded 20 years ago, like your Facebook and your Googles, kind of dictate so much of our lives now. I think it'll be exactly the same story, but with the transition to decarbonization. Right. Yeah. It's super interesting to hear about your background and how this actually connects to your role of what you're doing now at NG Factory. And yeah, how basically your background and passion and experience all lead together. And given this, that this is something that's super relevant today, I think this is somewhere really exciting to work in. And how does NG Factory's approach now kind of differ in venture building from other organizations that do it? Yes. So NG Factory was started about three years ago. And uh, the reason that, that we looked at venture building, which is actually kind of a more difficult or more advanced form of corporate innovation, is quite simply because there wasn't enough deal flow of ventures, you know, addressing kind of the real sort of pain points and the spaces that need disruption in the energy sector. And that's simply because it's hard. I mean, energy is an incredibly technical infrastructure, high capex space. And unless you've been an, an energy insider for the last like decade, and sometimes even then, it's hard to know where innovation is, is really needed. So that's why we chose venture building as a model. And our goal is to build these strategically aligned ventures that represent new growth horizons for NG's core business. So in order to do that, what we've done is we've set up a program that we consider as lasting for about two years, where we spend a lot of time recruiting founders and entrepreneurs that really have that kind of that high growth venture kind of mindset, but don't necessarily have a background in energy or have an idea or a startup that they want to work with. And we see ourselves as being co-founders with them. So, so we supply ideas and you know, opportunity spaces where we believe that there's real sort of venture grade opportunities, both in terms of you know, the billion dollar target addressable market and also the potential to abate, you know, a significant amount of carbon. So we would like to hope that we could build ventures that could abate 0.1 gigatons of, of carbon at scale. And then what we do is we work with these founders to find the right ideas and opportunities to validate those using a really robust kind of venture validation methodology where we interview anywhere between 50 to 100 customers during this process. And then we work with these founders over the next 18 to 24 months to launch their MVPs, get that customer traction, and start to build their businesses. Throughout this program, NG also provides a stipend to the founders, as well as pre-seed capital 
in order to really help these ventures grow and uh, scale. Cool. I really like the fact that you're saying you're basically co-founders with them and you're going on this journey together. And I feel like that kind of makes it, you know, like you're collaborating more closely together, which is exciting. And also in some of our previous podcast episodes, we've already covered some views about corporate venture building, but now adding that focus on sustainability in corporate venture building is kind of a new angle here. Um, so why would you say is corporate venture building so important in the zero carbon transition? You know, it's interesting, right? Because a lot of times when people think about clean tech or climate tech, and, you know, there was a huge climate tech bubble that burst about a decade ago where investors lost, uh, you know, billions of dollars. They always think it's a technology play. So they think it's about more efficient solar cells or the latest hydrogen or, or carbon capture technology. But actually, you know, what we found is that the real kind of barriers to decarbonization often lie in adoption. So the example that I always kind of fall back on is that, you know, all of the technology that is needed to reduce the energy consumption of buildings by 10 to 30% exists at the moment. It's not cutting edge R&D or, or science that's needed. Uh, what's needed is new sort of business models that help to address the kind of barriers to adoption that exist at the moment. So for example, addressing kind of the different misaligned incentives between owners and operators or creating financial incentives, for example, for suppliers to green their operations. So those are where the challenges really are. And I think that's where the benefit of corporate innovation in this space comes from and why it's so important. One is that, you know, a real understanding of, of what are the challenges to decarbonization and challenges that can be addressed immediately through these kind of venture grade models. And the second thing is kind of what I mentioned before, which is that the energy transition space is an infrastructure play. It's really high capex. Uh, you need a lot of technical expertise. So we just recently launched our 2021 cohort one venture build program. So working with founders actually this week to kind of ideate and find new spaces to build ventures. And one of the founders that we're working with actually took one of his last ventures to IPO. So he's an incredibly seasoned and knowledgeable entrepreneur. And he actually tried to launch a venture himself in the decarbonization space because this is a, a, an area that he's incredibly passionate about. And what he found was that it's really hard to you know, get cities and government agencies and large building owners to trust kind of newcomers and, and startups in that space. You know, you really need that kind of expertise and track record in order to convince potential customers. And that speaks to exactly the kind of ventures that we want to build. You know, we want to build ventures that without NG being there initially as kind of a catalyst or providing that extra set of capability or, or resource would be really difficult to exist otherwise. Right. So basically what you're highlighting is that the barriers especially lie in the adoption, which also implies that, you know, People need to be involved and people need to be trained. So that's also something really important, understanding the challenges, addressing them immediately to kind of drive this forward, right? And um, now we're also hearing more and more organizations kind of prioritize a sustainable approach in their work. And why would you say, do we see such a growing interest in sustainability also in the venture building space? 
I think it's something like 260 organizations last year made net zero commitments. So there is definitely this kind of growing momentum around, I would say, the recognition of corporate responsibility to addressing and tackling climate change. And I mean, I think that's fantastic. But, you know, just to kind of go back on your point around creating incentives and making sure there's a real focus on adoption in a business context, a lot of these corporations are kind of like, you know, they're facing an uphill battle. So, you know, for example, for a lot of large MNCs and manufacturing companies in particular, the vast majority of their carbon emissions lie in their supply chain. So scope three emissions. So for example, you know, it's, it's typical for clothing manufacturers or pharmaceutical companies to have anywhere to 80 to 90% of their emissions lie in their supply chains. And a lot of these supply chains exist in the region, right? In, in APAC and, and particularly in Southeast Asia now. And these factories and companies, you know, they're operating in an environment where, unlike in Europe and in North America, there's no carbon tax. So there's no effective pricing on carbon. And also, you know, there's incredible fuel tariffs as well. So, you know, greening their operations is not so straightforward. So for one of our ventures, which is a sustainability-linked supply chain finance platform, we did a little bit of a case study of, of one of the factories for a major garment producer. And uh, this is a factory that was based in Malaysia. And we, using one of our kind of other ventures, we estimated that they had a capacity for a one megawatt solar installation on their roof. Now, if you go to this factory and you say, you know, we can help you install this one megawatt of solar and you can kind of green your operations, they'll look at the economic model. And because energy is so cheap in Malaysia, you know, this one megawatt solar installation would only save this company anywhere between sort of like 20 to 40K. And this is a company that has like over 100 million in revenue. So, you know, the incentive model currently isn't right in the region. So we have to look at different business models that help to create those incentives. So, for example, our venture that looks at sustainably linked supply chain finance is looking at giving suppliers preferable financing, working capital financing as a result. So what this could mean is now the same supplier by installing this one megawatt uh, rooftop installation could suddenly save somewhere in the region of 900K in working capital financing. Now that's creating a real incentive to green operations. So in the context of these companies making these huge net zero commitments, there's still this kind of challenge of, okay, what is the right way to incentivize, you know, your supply chain, your partners, even your employees, right, to change their behavior and adopt kind of more sustainable practices? I think the other thing that I, I would add to that is there's kind of been an explosion of interest in the venture building space as well, because I've noticed a lot of intersectionality. So, you know, for example... The venture I just mentioned operates at the intersection of sustainability and finance, right? Which means that there's an opportunity to collaborate with banks that have venture building arms, which I think is super interesting. Similarly, if you think about like the intersection between sustainability and transport and, for example, the logistics space, there again is a lot of opportunity to build some really exciting partnerships with other venture builders that are also looking at these same kind of questions. Yeah, it's quite interesting to hear about all of the ventures basically firsthand and how, you know, they have that intersection of different industries that you're bringing together in partnerships, which is quite cool. 
And um, you are already sharing a bit about the ventures that you're collaborating with. And you've been with Enchi for quite a while now. And I'd kind of like to know more about your learnings from your time there. Is there anything that you'd like to specifically pass on to our listeners on what's important as part of a venture's journey? I think that's a, that's a great question. And, and you know, our, our model for venture building is evolving every year. So every year we make kind of little tweaks and adjustments to our process to kind of, you know, try and see if we can continue to make ourselves, you know, more scalable and operate more smoothly as well. So I think it's a continuous journey. I would say that the learnings that we've had so far fall into two categories. So the first is around being as close as possible to our, our core business. So that's not necessarily building ventures that are exactly aligned to our, our core business, but you know, doing things like really taking the time to define the strategic fit of the venture and our core business early. So where does the venture get value from a partnership with NG and where does NG get value from a partnership with a venture? So defining that really early on, I think, um, helps to set the parameters for ideation and, and venture building well. The other part of that, you know, and the other importance of being very close to kind of the corporate is, is around, you know, delivering this unfair advantage. So as I mentioned before, what we're really interested in doing is making sure that the ventures that we invest in are ventures that really have a leg up, right? That move faster than a venture that was started in the same space at the same time, but didn't have a partner like NG or is in a space that's kind of difficult to tackle without the support of a partner like NG. So those are the types of ventures which we're most interested in building because, you know, we really do want to accelerate the zero carbon venture ecosystem that exists in the region. So, you know, and I think, you know, to, in order to deliver that unfair advantage, the strategic alignment with the corporate is really, really important. So I think that's one really key learning that we, you know, we want to make sure that we invest in that. And then the second thing is really around attracting the right talent. So this is our third year of our Venture Build program. And I think every year we learn better the types of entrepreneurs that work really well in this kind of corporate venture building context and the types of skill sets that we really value. So, I, you know, I think especially at an early stage, the team and the entrepreneur is everything. So, you know, we spend a lot of time finding the right entrepreneurs that we want to partner and invest in ultimately. So whenever we talk to entrepreneurs, we sort of say that rather than invest in an idea, we like to invest in the, in the founder and know that the, we can find the right venture opportunity with the founder. Yeah, yeah. I think those are super hands-on learnings to take away. And I think you've probably made your own experiences with, you know, attracting the right talent and then working with them and then also defining from the beginning where you want to go and um, what's important, right? So now that we're also talking about the learnings and basically what you took away along the road, what would you say does success look like for your ventures? Or on the other hand, What does success look like for corporate venturing in the space in general? So when it comes to what success looks like for corporate venture builders in the energy transition, I think that it all comes down to how the ventures add value to the core business. So ultimately, corporate venture builders need to sort of demonstrate return, right? And return can be in a number of ways. It can be around the increase in the value Of the companies and therefore the, the corporate stake in that. Or it can be through value from other ways, for example, through 
accelerating access into new markets or providing pipeline of new project opportunities or even expanding the existing offerings that corporates can add and deliver to their, their existing clients. So I really strongly believe that because the energy is such a unique sector, it's very different from, you know, for example, like a Grab or an Uber where everybody understands transport and, and you know, what it takes to drive a car and, and take a taxi somewhere. You know, this is a kind of highly technical space. So I think that corporate venturing is a really important innovation model for the energy sector. And success, it comes through the form of being able to demonstrate how these new ventures add value and represent new growth horizons for the core business. So one of the big kind of breakthroughs that we had at NG Factory last year was around developing a life cycle process for our ventures, where we help with the founder recruitment and the ideation and incubation of ventures, but that the ultimate goal is for these ventures to be integrated back in some form into the core business, whether they take over the stake in the particular venture or through, for example, acquisition or sort of M&A into the core business. But it, it was really important for us that the ventures that we build actually meaningfully contribute to the core business and, and don't just sort of drift in some sort of innovation, you know, <laughs> netherworld without ownership. And one of the things that we found is through creating this sort of life cycle process, it's sharpened the focus of sponsorship at the beginning of the process and throughout because you know, the sponsors know that we are actually building businesses for them, which has changed kind of the perception of the ventures that we're building and, and the kind of opportunities that we go after. And I think that's really important in this space and why I, I love the challenge of venture building at NG Factories, because we're really trying to unlock, you know, how do we create value through venture building for corporates? Mm, that's really cool uh, to hear about your ventures and their contribution, um, their meaningful contribution, really inspiring. And also to see what success looks like in the space. I think there's so many facets that you also just mentioned. Also to really understand that this field might not be as easy perhaps to grasp as compared to different spaces because it's very technical. So um, this is also really interesting for me to hear um, what success basically looks like there. And given the growing interest in the topic of sustainability that we've already covered, we also see a growing demand in getting involved and supporting in the field. Um, maybe now on a more practical approach, do you have a few tips or advice to founders who want to start their own venture in this zero carbon space? As I said before, you know, I think this is a space that just needs all of the innovation and all of the disruption that we can get, right? So if we want to avoid the worst impacts of climate change and keep global warming to below two degrees Celsius, then basically we have to halve our carbon consumption in the next decade. So between now and 2030, between 2030 and 2040, we've got to have it again. And then we've got to have it once more before 2050, right? So that's an incredible pace of change and you know, innovation, digitalization, decentralization, that's going to play a really, really big part of this. So, and I think that, that this is a, as I mentioned earlier, a fantastic opportunity for entrepreneurs. I think the key is that rather than focus on, you know, these big tech plays, like rather than focus on the R&D that's needed to build carbon capture systems or, you know, the next hydrogen fuel cell or more efficient solar panels, 
I think the key is to really look at where are the barriers to adoption? Because if we're talking about having the carbon budget, so our carbon budget is about 40 gigatons of carbon per year. If we want to cut 20 gigatons out in the next 10 years, we need solutions that can help us do that right away, which means this is about business model innovation, creating the right incentive structures, doing education, changing mindsets, uh, creating visibility of the challenge. And these are all areas where you don't need a lot of R&D, you don't need a lot of science, where we can learn a lot from the innovation that's been done in the e-commerce or the consumer space and apply it to some of these spaces, which are the big users of carbon in the world. Cool. Yeah, that's super important. What you were basically just summarizing, you know, what it takes, um, also the focus on business model innovation, educating, creating visibility and so forth. I think that's super interesting to learn about this field. And now when we're looking at the current situation that we're in and when we're also looking into the future, is there anything where you would say you're especially looking forward to or just in general, something that's next for NG or NG Factory that you can share with us already? Immediately this year, we're launching two new venture builds in Australia. So it's the first time that we're launching ventures in the Australia market. So we're very actively recruiting founders who might be interested in joining us on, on this kind of journey. So if you are a founder and you are interested in building a, a new venture that contributes to decarbonization based out of Australia, please feel free to look me up on, on LinkedIn or connect with NG Factory. We'd be more than happy to hear from you. Beyond that, I think we're really looking at how we can kind of grow and scale this model of corporate innovation and venture building be it in APAC or beyond, and looking at you know being more and more ambitious in terms of the types of ventures and, and the decarbonization targets that we set ourselves so that we have a you know a chance of really of really making a, a significant impact. You know, for example, I mentioned before, you know, our carbon budget of 40 gigatons uh, a year, you know, if we're able to build 200 companies that have the potential at scale to abate 0.1 gigatons and, you know, 30% of them succeed, then, you know, we're in a space where we can make a 10 to 15% impact on, you know, the carbon budget of the world. So the impact that venture building in this space has, has the potential to be enormous. Wow. Yeah. It's really inspiring to hear what kind of significant impact you can make in terms of venture building and also your goal of, you know, being more ambitious in the space. And it's also very interesting to hear about the call for applications and that you're launching ventures in a new market now, which is quite exciting. So for anyone curious and interested out there, um, get in touch with Marie or with NG Factory. And um, cool. So we've covered a lot about the journey of your and with NG Factory and all you're doing in the world of corporate innovation. Marie, thank you so much for sharing your personal journey with us and with the ventures you're working with. And of course, all the work you're doing in driving sustainability forward in venture building. Um, it's been amazing having you here on the show and thank you again. Thanks so much, Christine. It's been fun. Thank you for listening to this episode of Lost in Transformation. If you enjoy our podcast, please subscribe to our channel and leave us a review on iTunes. Join us next time for another episode of our podcast.